Hey, y'all. This is Pastor Toby Sumter from Cross Politic. Want to invite you to join us later this month for a series of uh, speaking events by Dr. Vodi Bakum. He's going to be here on January 26th. That's the Thursday evening. He's doing a talk at the University of Idaho in the Sub Ballroom at 7:30 p.m. on why gay is not the new black. Hope you'll join us for that event. And then on the 27th, Friday at 3 o'clock p.m., he'll be downtown Moscow at the New Art Theater for the Disputatio. But, exciting, CrossPolitik is taking over Disputatio. And myself, the Chocolate Knox, and the Waterboy, Gay Branch, will be hosting CrossPolitik at Disputatio with Dr. Vodibakum and Pastor Douglas Wilson. Again, we will be we will kick, be kicking around various race issues um, on on that particular event, and then Friday night and Saturday are the Epiphany lectures hosted by Trinity Reformed Church. Again, Doctor Vodi Bakum. Friday night, one session with a Q and A, and then three sessions on Saturday morning, January twenty eighth. You do need to register for the Epiphany lectures if you want to attend. Space is filling up quickly we will be sending out links so that you can see how to sign up but you do need to register for the epiphany lectures it's free but you do need to register you can find out about the trinity lectures and a link to register for the epiphany lectures at trinity kirk that's trinity k-i-r-k dot com hope to see you all there thursday night sub ballroom friday afternoon disputatio and then friday night and, fr- and saturday morning dr Vodi bakum Cross politic begins in three, two, one. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women, you are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start it. Sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right When the Spirit comes upon people, they go to war, they go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Waterboy. Pastor Toby Sumter and the Chocolate Knox. Welcome, y'all, to Cross Politic. Hey, thank you, you. You actually brought us water today. Yeah, thank I did. You, the this, water this, boy. This you are the water boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just He's, noticed that. I don't. I think this is the first time you've ever brought us water, though. This is true. I apologize. After, <laughs> after all this time, the water boy actually brought some water. David needs. David needs some brandy. Some of Grandma's I, I, brandy. Hey, I got Talk to us, David. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? So we're we're a couple weeks. Into the new year. Yep. Here we are. David and- needs to stop drinking that green stuff. Yes, that's, that's it. What it. That's, that's what it. happened. That's, that's what that's- happened. You know what? <laughs> I- I'm not going to waste my voice on that. <laughs> oh, no. I sound like I'm going through puberty. Again. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, David's yeah, growing are. up. Chocolate Knox is growing up. I'm yep. going to take my time and talk real slow. All right. Slow it's down. All- it's all good. Yeah, happy New Year again. Yeah, happy New Year to you guys. You know, I am uh, uh, decided to go on a little diet, and I, I've had like a headache for like three days. I was going to ask you, like, did you guys make any New Year's resolutions? Yes, you did. So, so you, you it did. wasn't really a New Year's resolution. I, I was kind of thinking Christmas. I always like the whole month of December. I eat a lot and drink a lot of wine and How hang out a lot. How I'm tall six are you? two, so I can okay. I can handle my weight, yeah. and it doesn't look like it. Yeah. But um, I mean, I've I've gained my first year of marriage. I gained thirty pounds. Good wife. Yeah. Good. Uh, yes. Amen. Good amen. Yeah. Praise and, God. And yeah. so, amen. I needed. I needed to gain some of that. But anyways, the, the, I'm on this, uh, you know, no carb diet kind of thing. And, and man, man, that's not well, good no, for you. No, it's no. great. You it, eat it's a actually, bunch of meat. You eat, you eat a lot of. You know, it's a meat. It basically, it's a carnivore diet. Yeah, I love. You it. eat all carnivore. I'm in. And, and <laughs> but you don't eat carbs. Like I, I'm not a stickler about it. But you don't eat carbs for like three days, and I start getting a headache. And I mean, it's just it's hilarious. Oh, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I can do that all day. Yeah. Oh man, Toby, Toby's I, just I naturally thin. I don't believe you, man. <laughs> did you Did you do any New Year's resolutions, Pastor? Uh, no, well, no, not really. Really, I mean, I, I, I don't have a thing for new. You don't, you don't like I, it. I, 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 I mean, I don't mind it as being like a like you know think about think about the year, think about yep. the last year, and yeah. so on. Yep. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I think it's I, I want to be the kind of person that's constantly, constantly like every Improving. day. Yep. You know, 
assessing, reassessing, and and making new resolution. I mean, that's repentance, right? Oh, you you don't wait for a year to repent. I don't wait for a year to <laughs> repent. I'm a Christian. You know, but there's something about our culture that as it comes to a close over a year, sure. you want to examine that, right? And sure. You wonder what you did and how, how you sure. did you meet your goals that you want to gave. Yeah. You know, and and you gotta have moments where you do that. And, yeah. you, and you know, I mean, you can you say I do it all the time and then not really do it. Right. So right. so I don't have any problem with you know making making the most of these moments. Yeah. And uh, how did you do last year? How did I do last I mean, I'm year? I'm not trying to put you on the spot and say, hey, let's you have are, a professional. You are, you are putting <laughs> me on the spot. Know, <laughs> I, I mean, when you look at the year, yeah. how did you sum up? Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good year. I mean, I think we, uh, you know, well, you all know we had a, uh, for, for a good chunk of it, we had a foster baby. So that was a really big, yep. big yep. thing for our family. Uh, for half of it, my wife was homeschooling our, our girls. And then the second half, when once our uh, foster baby went home, we actually had all our kids in school, Logos. Oh wow! Yeah, so, so we made kind of a shift there. So we've been you know, we've been talking all about, your kids. Yeah, also all our kids Ooh, are there now wow. for the first time. That's a new phase of life. Yeah. So yeah, my wife and I have been talking a lot about you know how's this going, um, you know what what's next year look like, you know. People start asking you about you know re-registration for school next <laughs> fall. They're right, like you got right. you know got to start thinking about what you're doing. Uh, so we, you know, we, we're starting to talk about that, but I think it's been, it's been a really good year. God's been really good. Um, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone's growing up, you know, getting yeah. bigger. And, How old's yeah. your oldest? He's 12 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a teenager. teenager. Wow. So you, you, you're really making some new year's resolutions. I got teenagers <laughs> yeah. coming here. Yeah. yeah. That changes things. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. no. What about you, yeah. Chuck? You know what? Um, when I looked over the year, I realized that there was a few things this next year I wanted to do better. And, and all of it really came around. I, I think I summed it up that I need to love Christ more this year mm-hmm. and in more practical ways. Um, the sermon came, man, Sunday. Bro, you were at church when was, we said, Man, we're sick. We were oh, sick two what? Sundays in a row. We missed Christmas service. We're going to start communion to your and house. And we missed. I know. <laughs> I know. Let me tell you something. I'm I was, hungry. I was in a puddle on the floor this past Sunday. Were you? The state of the church? Oh, man. Doug Sermon, state Let of the church? Let me tell you yeah. something. He, the state of David Shannon. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. That man preached me happy. And I mean, there was just part halfway, right? This is closing, you know? And he just started talking about, listen, when you come to God, you are welcomed. Yeah. You know, I was like, ah! Come on, Jesus. You know, like, like, he's like, you don't have to ever worry about if Christ is going to let you in. If you're going to be able to get to the Father, you're welcome. Christ paid the sacrifice for you. He was a sacrifice for you, and you have his righteousness, so you can come boldly. Yeah. And let me tell you something. When you're starting a new year and you're looking back past the old year and you start saying, man, I, Lord, I missed this, and I wish I would have did that, yeah. Lord. And you, you start really observing your situation so you can say, Lord, I want to be more faithful with the things that you've given me. Yes. And then the pastor says, yes, but guess what? You're welcome. Like, man, yeah. I was in a puddle. Yeah. I, Rupert, people thought Rupert had a wet diaper. It wasn't his, <laughs> it wasn't his diaper. Did you, did you I, I put would, money on the pulpit? Man, I know. I, I couldn't walk get up? there. Did you walk up? I couldn't up? get there. But let me tell you, my tears filled up Rupert's pants. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding him pretty close where I see the puddle. And I was like, nobody else's. You know, nobody else hears this. This yeah. must be just for me. That's so, you know, praise God. But yeah, just thinking about this new year is like, yeah. what can I, Lord, you know, fill my hands with work, you yeah. know, so I can give it back to you. But, you know, thinking about being a good dad, everybody wants to be a good dad. Yeah. yeah. But what are the things that I need to do ultimately to do that? And it's like, Lord, I need to center my life and my eyes more on Christ yeah. and, 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 and submit to that and then let Amen. that fuel everything else. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I've really, that just hit me so hard this past year is like, don't take your eyes off of Christ. Yeah. You got a lot of things you want to do, but don't take, make that your That's first right. priority in everything you do. Put your eyes on Christ. Put your eyes on Christ. Right. Put play your that, heart play on that Christ. organ. Yeah. Play that organ. <laughs> and then from that, though, the fruit of that fuels your desires for your family, for your children. And, and that's just kind of been my, like the sermon for me this past this New Year's time is like, Amen. Lord, don't let my eyes leave you. I yeah. think I think Chuck preaches better without a voice. I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a voice, and he's like going, he's yeah. going. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. you know, no. That's, just, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. that's so, awesome. So anyway, yeah, that's just kind of like what I was thinking about. You know, is this New Year's like what? Are, what are people at? And I, there's some books that Doug has. I really want to read. Um, uh, Reforming Marriage is another one. I, I, you know, I really want to give my time to that a little more. And yep. then the one you told me about this one, Gabe, um, his book on child rearing. A future man, future oh, man, yeah. Try, like, raising boys. Yeah, raising yeah. boys. You know, and so yeah. I, that's I, a good one. Yeah. It's a really good I, one. Those are those are two that yeah. I feel like 
a future man is going to probably do more for me than my son. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so will reforming marriage do more for Absolutely. me than my wife. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to work, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But that's, yeah, that is that is how you become the better, you know, the, the better father. Yeah. You become a better man. Yeah. You know, and, your, and your boys will follow suit. Um, yeah, that's, but, yeah. We're trying to do some generational covenantal things here, so. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, since you guys um, aren't going to ask, I, I had a good year. Um <laughs> Did you know Gabe was here? Gabe, man. What? Uh, well, he know, did bring us water. This last year has been actually pretty interesting for me because I left my job of 11 years yeah. and went out on my own, started some own companies. And that also was the catalyst, actually, for being able to start CrossPolitik. Oh, well, yeah. That's so right. So, God, I mean, God, like, You're really shook up. I know, praise God. I know. Praise God for big change in life. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out... Um, you know what? What I'm going to be doing this next year for work, for money. What you're going to do when you grow up? What's like what I'm going to do when I grow up um, uh, is is a big thing. But God like used this last year to really open up my heart to to what I want to do and where I want to go. I'm 37 years old. Woo, you Isn't that amazing? And, and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to, but to you know have a year like last year where where you had major job change in your life and major um, you know basically uprooting of what you've been doing for the last eleven years yeah. to be doing something like this it's been it's been great I love I love the, my favorite time of the week is with you guys doing cross politics still Aww. I don't think anybody's listening anymore no, no, no. <laughs> you know what though can I, you know one thing that I can say about you brother and this is just to be an encouragement to you is that you work man like you you put your hand to it and you do it you know, and that's one thing you're like a, you're like a bulldozer. It's like, Gabe, I don't want to. And you're just like, yes, you are. And you'll bulldoze away and you'll make a way. You know, and that's why we were just talking about all your emails you sent us. We're like, <laughs> we never another respond. email from Gabriel, <laughs> like, another text from Gabriel. Yeah, instead of responding to you, I sent Toby a text. I said he just texted us, again. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then I write LOL yeah. <laughs> back, back to back to Chocolate Knox. <laughs> one thing that I, I do know that oh, the Lord is faithful, man, and I know yeah. that the more you're working, the, the what you're putting your hand to, you know, mm-hmm. God blesses, man. Yeah. An, no, yeah. this is a blast. Yeah, this yeah. is a blast. Yeah, I love and doing I'm, it. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that. Uh, you dragged me into this, Amen. and that we together dragged Chocolate Knox they into sure this. Did. Yeah, yes, you That's did. Right. Yeah. Some someday we should tell like kind of the the ten minute version of how this oh, all came together. Never. It's, no. it's good. Never. It's good. We'll never yeah. hear about it. Yeah. You got any news for us? I do. I want to get to one of those memos. Let's we get have into people sending us memos. What you can send to us? Memo at crosspolitik at gmail dot com. Uh, no, just no. memo memo at, at crosspolitik. Dot com. It's, it's the voice. That's Go right. Memo, yeah. at- memo at crosspolitik.com. I know you keep sending us emails with these cool memos, so we got to get to one of them today. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. Uh, we, will. Right. Okay. we will. So I got a couple articles. Um, and this is, uh, we also have economist Walt Williams Ooh. coming on. Yes. He's, a, he's our interview for the show. Yes. Um, uh, George Mason, uh, 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 Dr. Uh, Walt Williams, he actually grew up in the same neighborhood with Fat Albert and the Boys. His, his, <laughs> I forgot about that. If you remember that, his uncle is Dr. Julius Irving, Dr. J. Oh. That's that's Walt that's Williams. That's Walt Williams. Oh. And oh. he's an economist. And he's a, he's a, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish yeah. could do that with, that, yeah, I could do that with this voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, he's coming on the show. Um, awesome. Christians, I think I was just talking to a guy this week about economics. We'll talk about this later. But economics is really important. So this is a really important interview um, for you guys. And, and hope you enjoy it. But uh, i got a couple articles uh, um uh, that I want to talk about with you guys that uh, the transgendered movement is um, been uh, you know it's a it's it's the next step it's the next step and and, it, and there's more articles coming out basically in favor of they're on the cover of magazines. Do you now see right? National Geographic? Yes, I saw that in the yes. store. Yeah. Yes, yep. It's like what is this? National Geographic had a transgender on the front of the cover. This the science yeah. magazine. Right. Um, the Boy Scouts of America recently barred a girl who. A ten-year-old girl who wants to be a boy and says she's a boy, and the boy I'm scout said, the, "The yeah, <laughs> right." The boy scout said, y- "We don't accept girls into our boy scouts," but right. she says, "I'm a transgendered right. boy. I self-identify she, as a boy. I self-identify as a boy." And the mom was super sad that she got kicked out of boy scouts and all that stuff. Um, the Girl Scouts of America allow for transgender children, and. Oh. And and they define it as based off how you feel and how your community thinks of you. <laughs> so that's that's what they love. Sorry. Boy Scout says we go off your birth certificate. Oh wow, it's still a fail. So so it's still it's still a fail argument. Absolutely. Yeah, but but what they're doing is is they're they're defaulting to that because they have no theological defense for what they're doing. So they just say, hey, whatever the government says on your birth certificate. But they already they already accepted homosexuals. 
They were forced they to do that. They lost their card alone. No, they weren't. Uh, no. Yeah, I think, that, they, I think they capitulated. Look, 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 no one forces you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They they, they bent under pressure to do that. For a while, they were standing against it. Right, right. They were standing against it. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they gave in. So here's pressure. a question. Do you take your boys out of the Boy Scouts? They say, hey, you know what, guys? We need an alternative that says yeah. Christ is the standard of how we view the world. Right. And anything that doesn't bend to that, we're not going to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think there's there's probably places where there's, you know, small community Boy Scout troops where, you know, everybody is Christian and they're all like, yeah, whatever. We're not going to roll with that. But it's just a matter of time because right. some, somebody's in the community. I mean, you do that in Moscow and someone's going to find out about it. And some yeah. some right. family's going to say, we want to get in. And then you're just asking, you're going you're gonna to fight, no. you're gonna fight that. You're going to yeah. do that. You're going to get kicked out. Yep. If you don't let them in, if you you know, so if we have you know you have a homosexual, uh, you know, I don't know, two dads and their boy and whatever they want to have you know they, they want to get in Boy Scouts, want to be in Boy Scouts, they're gonna they're gonna petition to get in. And if you're trying to have this you know faithful Christian version of it, you might be able to get away with it for a little while. Yeah, right. I think I think it's just a matter of time, and you might as well start building something that can actually last. Yeah, absolutely. And then the thing I like about what Matt Walsh, um, so the National Geographic magazine matt walsh went off on that and he said these guys we should just start calling them biological deniers right they want to use global warming deniers they want to use science deniers they want to say everything about us that we deny 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 he's like well this is what they're doing right they're biological deniers and i thought that's a that's kind of a a a rhetorical way to really point some uh, uh to poke at them yeah. And I think it's effective, and I think it's something that we need to uh, use the term biological deniers. I think it's actually a good way to kind of approach yeah. some of stuff. Yeah, and, and we need to just start saying, you know what? I'm sorry we're not going to capitulate. Right. Like, this is what God says about the standard, and, and, and we don't it. care. And we don't care. We don't care. Yeah. And if you don't stand on the Word of God, like the Boy Scouts of America does not anymore, then you have you have to go to the birth certificate, right. and then that goes. Yeah. When we come back, Walt Williams on cross politics. How do we get him? Does he know who we are? Now he oh, does. Yeah. He does now. <laughs> He's Gabriel's, like, buddy. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house. Not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu. Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration, unashamed of Christ, and sharply at odds with the values of modernity, a mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com. Folks, thank you for joining CrossPolitik um, today for this segment. We have uh, with us Dr. Walter Williams. Uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Williams. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah. Well, we um, you're actually one of my uh, favorite uh, favorite economists, so I'm really excited to have you um, on our show today and um, uh, looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say. Uh, before I get started, let me give you a, let me give our viewers just a little background um, on you and and uh, you were first, you're, you're East Coaster, you were born in uh, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, yes. on, the, on the East Coast, okay. And uh, you pulled a number of degrees. Um, I think, correct me if I got any of these wrong, you, got a B, you have a BA in economics from Cal State University in Los Angeles. You have an MA and PhD degrees in economics from UCLA. And you also hold a, a Doctor of Humane Letters from Virginia University and Grove City College. And a doctor of laws from Washington and Jefferson College. Am I missing anything there? Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> now you also um, uh, have had. Uh, you also currently you currently serve on faculty at George Mason University, and of course uh, Fairfax, Virginia. And then you hold the John M. Olin Distinguishing Professor of Economics since uh, 1980. Uh, from 1995 to 2001, you served as department chairman. 
You also served uh, on the faculties of Los Angeles City College, LA City College. I was actually in the community college system in California at one point in, in my uh, college career. So very familiar with uh, um, LA City College. Uh, California State University of Los Angeles and Temple University in Philadelphia. Grove City College also in Grove City, PA. So you've, you've uh, had a, a number of experience with other uh, education institutions. Uh, lastly, you've authored over 150 publications, um, which of course have appeared in all sorts of scholarly journals from the Economic Inquiry to um, Georgia Law Review to um, uh, the Cornell Journal of Law and Public Policy. You've written for uh, Newsweek, um, uh, Policy Review, um, a number of uh, publications that you've you've written for, and you have uh, you've offered over 10 books. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, very, very good. And we'll have some of those. We'll have some links to those up on our website once the show goes live. Now, I'm going to uh, put some context here. I got just a little background I want to put around this subject of morality and economics, and then uh, we'll get into I think our the meat of our discussion here. So let me let me start here. We we live in a time where economic literacy I think I think is at all time low, and this is I think directly connected to our moral, our modern kind of moral confusion. You know, think, think of it this way. All law requires a lawgiver. And whether that be a moral law or, or natural law, uh, like the law of gravity, there has to be a lawgiver behind that. The inability to understand, I think specifically for our topic, moral law here and anchor it into truth is crippling our current views on, on economics and, and even how we vote. Moral law affects everything. How we understand economics, who we vote for, how we do business, our foreign policy, it's, it's all connected. And as, as I said earlier, I think we've lost substantive understanding of economics and we need to recapture that. And I'm not just talking about kind of an intellectual recovery of economics, but something I think, I think greater than that. We need to recover our moral basis for economics. Um, one, one last point here. Um, I think it's important when we discuss economics to constantly bring it back to moral law, to the moral law that's kind of supporting our economic reasoning. If you just presuppose and, and, and constantly assume and never discuss the foundation for, let's say, you know, um, economics, then eventually you forget about the real foundation that's supporting those, those economic laws and reasoning in the first place. So, um, Toby, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think as, you know, as we jump into this, um, uh, spent a couple minutes uh, reading over uh, the uh, Wikipedia article on on you, Doctor Williams, and one of the things that struck me was just um, I think in many ways um, would find myself with a lot of sympathy with a lot of um, views you've taken, but as, as you read over it, I'm thinking, wow, um, you know, as far as like modern American culture. Um, you know, there, there's uh, you take a lot of views on um, economics, on um, on you know history, um, maybe the Civil War, on states' rights, um, federalism, these kinds of things, and I and I'm wondering why, like how how do you how have you survived in you know in the academic world where holding those views, um, I would imagine you get a lot of you know strange looks uh, you probably get some you know accusations that you know you're just you know out to lunch um you know how, how i mean how how have you handled um you know being in you know in an academic world um being you know such sort of a um a, a very rare bird so shall we say well well i i think that uh uh, at, at George, at, well, I'm fortunate to be working at George Mason University, and uh, it's a it, you know it's a it's a university that's fairly liberal. Uh, it gets a, it, a lot of people think of it as a conservative university because because of our uh, very stellar economics department and law school. But the uh, but the liberals on campus, uh, professors and others, uh, they they are respectable. You know they uh, uh, you know they uh, surely uh, many of them differ uh, with my point of view. But uh, but they're, they're they're respectful and uh, and I think uh, uh, and so I don't have any any uh, problem whatsoever and I've been there I'm uh, 35 years. Yeah, how, how do you how would you encourage maybe 
young people coming up through the university system who are, you know, conservatives, you know, uh, politically conservative, economically conservative, um, and so forth, you know, in a, in a climate that seems like it's increasingly hostile to, you know, anything that smells conservative, you're just sort of written off as a, as a kook, you know, um, how, how would you encourage young people coming up through the system, how, how to interact with people that are, you know, very different. Well, I, I would, I would tell them, I would tell them that, uh, uh, first of all, they should uh, choose select very uh, colleges very very carefully before they go in the first place. Right. I would also tell them that uh, they're not there to uh, change the mind of uh, professors. Professors have uh, have their ideas. Uh, they're 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 there to uh, uh, g- gain a um, some education to the extent that it is possible and get out there and uh, and learn. I think that uh, the the the, uh, the point of going to college. And as I tell uh, my students, particularly my PhD students, that uh, it's a it's a beginning point. It's a it's a, a it's a way to learn how to teach yourself because most of the things that we learn in our lives uh, we we teach ourselves. And so, uh, college uh, maybe is a, it can act as a beginning to teach uh, yourself. And I think that I, I'm I'm kind of uh, uh, old fashioned. Uh, I, I think that the people should. Uh, uh, you know, go, go to college and learn the subject and, and get out of there and, and make the most of their lives. <laughs> go apply it. Now, Keynesian thought has kind of dominated our economic policies for, I'd say, for a while now. Uh, have you seen any progress in uh, the growth of, uh, of uh, conservative economic thought um, uh, and so forth since you've been? Since well, you've been I, I, think I feel, that I feel like we're losing on that front. Well, I, I think that well, you know, Keynes, Keynesian economics still uh, uh, still holds forth, but um, I think it's being increasingly challenged. And I think that there's another thing that's very, very important. Uh, there are many uh, free market uh, uh, think tanks, uh, both at uh, at uh, you know independent uh, think tanks, and then there are uh, increasing number of think tanks at universities, and. Uh, and so I think that uh, in the future we won't be able to say the same thing. I think that the the uh, Keynesian ideas are going to be challenged, and they're and they're 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 thoroughly discredited uh, in in uh, in many areas, mm-hmm. and because they they've turned out to be uh, absolutely wrong in terms of their predictions about the public policy. Right, but but we're still getting bailouts, <laughs> and we're still oh, yeah. we're, you know we're still seeing a lot of that too. Yeah, well, I I tell you one thing that uh, as uh, my Good friend and colleague, uh, former good friend and colleague uh, Milton Friedman, uh, he was all he would always point out that we did not, as a nation, we did not get where we are uh, overnight, and we won't get out uh, overnight. So it's going mm-hmm. to take a mm-hmm. yeah. a uh, a long and uh, um, a, a difficult struggle to uh, try to uh, reverse things. And uh, and I, but however, I think it's well underway because the many things that um, were deemed unchallengeable years ago are. Are okay now. Okay. Well, let me, um, and this gets me going the direction that um, uh, I want to kind of get at, I think, the basis for economics. Um, I mentioned this a little bit in my opening comments here. Um, you know, when we talk about economics, uh, it, it oftentimes I feel like we're talking about something that's two stories up on the building. You know, we're two floors up. Uh, and we're, or, or, you know, and when we aren't talking about maybe the foundation behind economics, and that's uh, so we're trying to meet, you know, with the Keynesian economists on the third story of the building to to kind of hash it out with them when when it's like we need to actually take a couple steps back, you know. So, uh, what is the basis? Let's just talk about truth for a minute. What's the basis for truth in a society? Well, uh, you you were talking about uh, morality. And that's a very, very important issue. And um, the way I begin to think about all human relationships and uh, think about morality in general, I start off, my initial assumption is that I own Walter Williams. I am my private property, and you are your private property. That is, uh, my initial premise is that we all own ourselves. Now, if you start off with the idea of self-ownership, then certain things or certain forms of conduct are moral and certain forms are immoral. The reason why murder is immoral 
is that it violates private property rights. It's using my property in the way that I don't deem uh, 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 rape and and theft is immoral because again it violates private property. And so I think that that uh, if you make the initial premise of uh, self ownership, then 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 many things become uh, uh, somewhat obvious. Uh, you know, for example, uh, the issue of whether uh, we should uh, be able to. Uh, sell our organs. Well, the question is, well, who owns my liver? Who owns my heart? And so, and if I, if I own it, then I have the right to uh, sell it. So, and there are many, many other issues that are settled, uh, if we start off our initial premise of self-ownership that nobody owns me except Walter Williams. Well, and, and maybe I'll show you my cards here a little bit on some of this. Um, I, I agree with you what you're saying about property rights. In fact, I think that's a, um, a subject that has been uh, not addressed adequately by Keynesian economists for sure and not addressed adequately by our culture in general. Um, but even the basis for those property rights are I'm a Christian and I believe they're, they're God-given. So even if, if, if um, to point to not just myself as an individual – but to point something outside of me, something that's objective and that can lay that claim not only to me, but also to, you know, President Obama or um, to, uh, you know, Dr. Walter Williams or to my, my colleague Toby. It, God's laying that claim of an objective truth of individuality, um, individual property rights. Excuse me. Let me change the phrase there. Individual property rights to me. So I point to God and say, OK, he gave me who I am. He gave me property well, well, rights, you're if that absolutely makes sense. Right. You're absolutely right. And, 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 and as the founders of our nation uh, uh, agreed, that, uh, that the job of government is to protect these either, uh, some people call them natural rights, some people right. call them God-given rights. Right. And, and getting back to the idea of self-ownership, that is, it's, uh, it, it, again, it's immoral, I believe, for the government to forcibly use one American to serve the purposes of another American. Uh, I think that, uh, as a matter of fact, the forcible use of one person to serve the purposes of somebody else is indeed a fairly good working definition of slavery. Slavery, right. right. And, and sl slavery violates private property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. What, what, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Toby. What, what do you make of? I'm just. I'm just thinking about. I, I, I like. I like the premise you're starting with there, Doctor Williams. Um, um, what would what do you say then uh, to someone who might argue in favor of um, euthanasia? Um, someone who says, "I, I want to voluntarily um, end my life, and I want to you know sign the appropriate paperwork and pay this doctor to end my life." It, is that moral? Well, I mean, it all depends who owns your life. God does. I mean, if, if if I if I own me, then I have the right to do anything with my uh, with my body that I want to that does not violate the uh, property rights of somebody else. It's 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 me, right. and so uh, and and surely here on uh, on on Earth, uh, I mean, I think it's I don't think you come closer to self ownership than a person. Now, it might be uh, you, you might say that God uh, owns you, but. Uh, and then I'd ask you ask the question: Well, has he appointed Congress to take over his job? <laughs> <laughs> Sovereignty is a big issue in all this, for sure. <laughs> Ho yeah, right. ho hopefully not, right? <laughs> and 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 when when I talk about self ownership and private property rights, that does not mean that I don't believe in helping our fellow man in need. Of course, yeah. but of course. I believe that. Helping one's fellow man in need by reaching into one's own pockets to do so is praiseworthy and laudable. Yeah. Helping one's fellow man in need by reaching into somebody else's pockets is worthy of, uh, of uh, condemnation. Yeah. And for the Christians among us, I'm very sure that when God gave Moses the commandment, thou shalt not steal, he did not mean thou shalt not steal unless you could get a majority vote in the United States Congress. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, have, have you been following at all? You're talking about uh, the, the right of an of a, of a individual human being, their own ownership. Have you been following at all the whole um, Planned Parenthood um, video sting operation over the last year, Dr. Williams? 
Well, not not following it intensely. I'm just aware of it. Uh, one one of the things you might be aware of is is that is the is the accusation that that um, that Planned Parenthood has been basically harvesting um, organs of unborn babies and and then selling them. You know, seems seems like a a really interesting application of the very point you're talking about. That um, you know th- these these very small human beings have these organs that other people are, you know, their mothers, doctors uh, you know, are, are forcibly taking from them and then selling. Um, s- seems like a direct application of the point you're making. Well, well, I, I think that there, there, there are many, there, there are many, many complex problems of, uh, of, of a society and they're complex problems associated with uh, self ownership. And, uh, but, but however, I think that those those uh, those problems are made worse by centralization of authority. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, it, the whole abortion issue, I think, would be less of a contentious issue if it were not settled at the at the national level. That is, that if it were set, if it were, uh, and rightfully so, uh, way the father founders saw it, is that it would be an issue settled at the state level, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so. Uh, it, I mean, it's a very, very contentious issue, and so we have to learn how to deal with contentious issues. And I think one of the things that we do is that we don't want to centralize them. So, so do you think um, on on this point? It's funny this this conversation is going this way a little bit on morality and economics. But do you think um, I, I, I'm I'm a states' rights person along with you? I was actually born and raised in Texas. Um, which still can be self-independent and secede from the union any day they want, right? <laughs> but on the states' rights issue, I feel like sometimes Christians turn that into a cop-out to kind of say, okay, well, well, that, you know, it's like abortion should be a states' rights issue. When I want to say it's actually, no, we were founded as a Christian nation, and there are some issues that aren't state right issues and aren't federal government issues. They're, they're God issues, and we well, start there. Well, you see well, what God is, well, God is not in Congress. I mean, God does not make the laws here, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, but the the framers of the of the Constitution, matter of fact, the Tenth Amendment says, all power is not delegated to the federal government by the Constitution belongs to the people and the states. Right, right. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that that idea of federalism, it it reduces the potential for conflict. But when we try to get, uh, when we try to force it through, uh, you know force uh, uh, 300 million people to uh, agree right. to the same thing or at least abide by the same thing, mm-hmm. I think that you're introducing a lot of conflict. Right, right. And so, uh, I mean, we, 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 we don't live in a perfect, we don't live in a perfect world. God is not here on earth. And so we have to, we have to do the best with what we have to settle these very contentious issues. Mm-hmm. And so you say, well, well, what's the best way of settling some of these issues? And I think, particularly an issue of uh, the very contentious issue of uh, of abortion, it's 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 not going. To, I don't think it's going to be at the central level. That is, if we say, well, the, let's say the abortion, uh, the anti-abortion people, uh, they say, well, they get the political power, and let's say that they they run it down their nose to other people and say, no, no, no abortions. Yeah, or yeah. that's not significantly different from the other people who get the political power and say, yes, they're going to be abortions. But however, if we said, if we had 50 different states and 50 different uh, uh, mechanisms or, or, or laws, I think that would reduce the potential for conflict. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and let me let me tie this into economics a little bit. I So I'd, um, if if I had my way, I would say abortion is not even a state's rights issue. But let's let's say we got it to that point. Um, and I would love to see, you know, I live in Idaho, very conservative state and over to, um, to the West of me is Washington. We're just right on the border of Washington and it'd be, um, uh, I, I think it'd be awesome to see uh, Washington, um, have legal abortion and Idaho to have, uh, make sure abortion's illegal and then watch the two cultures grow up one a culture of life and the other a culture of death and, and see how that affects economies yeah right. Think, or, right or think of it this way think of it this way imagine the conflict if it were settled by the supreme court uh what we're going to have for our thanksgiving dinner is going to be turkey or ham 
<laughs> Can you imagine the conflict? Or, 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 or the, if the Congress said, well, everybody is going to buy a Buick. Right. I mean, can you imagine all the... I mean, see, the conflict is reduced because you have turkey for dinner, for, for uh, Thanksgiving, and I have ham, and we can be friends. Right. But however, if we make a law that deciding what we're going to have for dinner on Thanksgiving, and, and it's going to be turkey or ham, then, then I have the incentive to enter into conflict with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I know that if you get your way... I'm going to lose, and you know if I get if I get my way, you're going to lose. Right. So, so I think that that uh, you know federalism and and free markets reduces the potential for human conflict. Mm-hmm. Doctor Williams, um, one of the things I saw in your bio um, was that in your in your youth or early days, uh, you were involved with. Um, some of the civil rights movement and um, particularly one of the things I'm curious if this is true, but the, the Wikipedia article said that uh, you, you found yourself more on the side of, of some of like what Malcolm X was doing uh, perhaps as opposed, not, not as much on the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, side of things. If, if that's the case, um, just first of all, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's true, um, you know, I, I'm imagining you've come a long way, you know, from from those days to where you are today, and, and kind of your convictions and so on. I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about, you know, um, your story and and you know, how, how did you arrive with the to the convictions you have today, uh, given some of those experiences? Well, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I have the uh, uh, the, the uh, listeners can look at my uh, website is walteywaves.com. And they can click on the, my autobiography. It's called uh, "Suffer No Fools." Mm-hmm. And it talks a lot about my uh, my uh, younger days, and, and it's, I think it's fairly well done. It was it was carried on PBS stations across the nation mm-hmm. yeah. uh, last I year. Yeah, and and uh, but the point is, is that um, yes, I, I was for uh, confrontation and the uh, and the kind of things that Malcolm X would talk about instead of the "We Shall Overcome" of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Right. But actually, but but knowing what I know now, I was absolutely wrong. Hmm. That is, confrontation would not have been nearly as effective as the uh, as as uh, the uh, effective in gaining civil rights for Black Americans hmm. as uh, the strategy uh, suggested by uh, Martin Luther King. Right. What what uh, happened in your life? What was it? Just kind of an education thing or is it the experience that happened in your life that kind of made you think differently about how to change society and culture what happened no just just and you know in uh, education and experience uh, and i mean uh, and you keep in mind at the time i was in my 20s yeah <laughs> and, and so and, and and now i just celebrated my 81st uh, my 80th my 80th birthday happy birthday oh, wow. and so so you I mean, you, you, you learn. I, I remember one time uh, when I was in the Army, I was, I was really a, a troublemaker. I had to, I had to, uh, there were investigations. I was court-martialed. And, and, and I remember they, uh, in, while I was in Korea, uh, they got a, a black ca- a captain who was a chaplain to talk to me. And he said to me, he says, you know, you catch more, uh, catch more, uh, uh, catch more flies with uh, honey than vinegar. Hmm. And I walked away. Uh, saying to myself, I didn't say it to him, I said, your Uncle Tom so-and-so. Yeah. But a- after the fact, you know, thinking about it all these years later, he yeah. was absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I like that very much. Um, let me, uh, we got about a couple minutes left here. Let me uh, tie this into kind of some of our current issues we're dealing with. First, um, I mentioned in my opening remarks that, you know, it's like economic literacy is pretty low, I feel like, nationwide. Um, and I think that's very much affecting how we see our current um, political um, presidential race, right? It's like, I mean, who are our two front runners? Hillary Clinton and, you know, Donald Trump. I mean, it's just for us to be at this point where there, you can't even, policy wise, I think once they both got in office, you wouldn't even be able to tell much of a difference of how they would govern. And, but we, you know, polarizing wise, Everyone's either for Trump or for Hillary or, you know, hopefully 
um, uh, and then some for Cruz and some for Bernie. But we we just we're voting for people who are promising coercion to be able to solve our problems. Why are we in yep. this place? Well, I I think um, people being ignorant of economics, I don't think that that historically uh, it, and there, there's no reason for people to know about economics, but. Uh, but nowadays, uh, but but given the growth of government, then it, econ- knowing something about economics becomes more and more important. Yeah. But when but when the federal government was from 1787 till uh, 1925, just three percent of the GDP, as opposed to 25 percent of the GDP now. Yeah. Well, you, you you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about tax systems and things like that. So so I I think <clears throat> I think that the uh, I think that that's probably is <clears throat> probably maybe not a very very good criticism of the American people. Say, well, they don't know economics. <clears throat> well, they might not know physics either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but but you have to say the answer question: Why is it important for people to know more about economics today than yesteryear? And I think that the reason why is that government has become so big in our lives. We need to understand it better. Hmm. So what do you think? Um, what do you think we should be doing as as uh, uh, to kind of recover? Uh, maybe it's not a, just an economic understanding. Maybe it's just a, just a, a better engagement, engaging understanding of how politics affect our lives. What should we be doing to kind of recover and actually be proactive in changing our society? Well, I, <clears throat> I think one of the important things we need to do, and and more of a general thing. I think we we have to somehow get our fellow Americans to re, to love and respect the United States Constitution, and to get them to uh, uh, you know to sell them on the moral superiority of personal liberty and its main ingredient, the limited government. We cannot be worrying about politicians because politicians are doing precisely what the American people want. Yeah, and and and, and what the American people want is for. Uh, 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 a politician to take somebody else's money hmm. and give it to them, or if uh, 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 or, or give them a special privilege that will be denied uh, another and another American and any uh, any any politician who would be running for the office and saying that that he is going to uphold and defend the United States Constitution, he's not going to do anything that's not in the Constitution. He won't get elected to office, uh-huh. and, and 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 to a large extent that 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 makes sense. You know, if I were running for the Senate in Idaho, I'd go back and forth across the state. I say, look, I know what's in the Constitution. Don't expect me if you elect me to office. Don't expect for me to bring highway construction fund, uh, farm subsidies for potato growers, uh, aid to higher education, prescription drugs. Do you think I would get elected to the Senate from Idaho? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. And the people of Idaho would be doing absolutely right by not electing me to the Senate, because if I don't bring back billions of dollars in various programs, it, it doesn't mean that I, people of Idaho will pay a lower federal income tax. All that it means is that Oregon will get it instead. Right. So once legalized theft begins, it takes everybody to participate. Yeah, yeah. Um, Follow-up on this is... Um Imagine, uh, you know, a, a young young person comes comes in to see you and is very very excited about fifteen dollar minimum wage. What? Wh- how do you how do you start that conversation? How do you talk to that person about minimum wage? Well, if he if he's a high skilled person or a higher skilled person, <clears throat> well, he 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 personally benefits from the minimum wage because. What the minimum wage, a fifteen dollar minimum wage, it gets some of his competition out of the market. That is, it gets all people out of the market whose productive output is only, say, seven dollars an hour or five dollars an hour. He doesn't have to compete with them because an, no employer is going to hire a person uh, and pay him fifteen dollars an hour when that person can only produce five dollars worth of value per hour. Right. So, for a higher skilled person, uh, uh, he benefits from uh, the minimum wage because it. It rips off his competition, but I would point out that what the minimum wage law does, it discriminates against the employment of low-skilled people. Right. And 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 who are the low-skilled people in our labor market? Well, for the most part, they're teenagers, and teenagers 
are low skilled because they lack the maturity and experience and other attributes of adults. Mm-hmm. And um, and among teenagers, there are black teenagers that not only share the handicaps of teenagers in general, but they share the additional handicaps of of a rotten education, uh, poor households, et cetera, et cetera. So. A, 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 way, a, a law that would discriminate against uh, the uh, low-skilled people would additionally discriminate against them. Um, I, I think we um, need to cut this interview off. Um, I have one other question that I think would be really helpful for our, uh, inter- our, 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 our um, audiences. What um, couple books have kind of impacted your thought process as you've grown um, to, uh, I think, a better understanding of economics and a better understanding of states' rights. Kind of, I mean, obviously, you, you went from the Malcolm uh, sideline to a kind of a more um, libertarian viewpoint. Um, what, what's, what couple books that we could recommend to our listeners that have Well, I'd say one, uh, one book that, is in, uh, uh, that has influenced many, many uh, libertarian-type people, and that's uh, Frederick Bastiat. And uh, it's called the the law. is a very small book, and it's published by the Foundation for Economic Education. You might even get it free from them. Mm, interesting. Um, and then the other book is uh, uh, Milton Friedman's Free to Choose, mm. and yeah. uh, that one that he made the uh, you know very very classic ten part series uh, series on. But it's an excellent book. And and the uh, Free to Choose Network, they have uh, many films that people can just go to and 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 watch. And then on my on my uh, website, I have many many references. Plus, uh, uh, people can sign up for my mailing list by going to WalterEWilliams.com. And we'll also have a link to your website on our website when uh, this interview goes live. So okay. Hey, uh, la- last 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 question. This is the this is this one little thing that I saw in your bio. You grew up apparently yes. down the street from Bill Cosby or near near where he was, and and your bio says you knew. The kids that you know formed kind of the story of Fat Albert is is this true? Oh yeah, yeah, Fat Albert and Old Weird Harold and yeah. and all those guys. I mean, <laughs> my mother used to say, "Don't be like that kid. He's ne- uh, he's, uh, he's foolish and he's never going to get anywhere." So, but she, she, mom was right about most things. She was wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> and and is it is it your cousin was Doctor J? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. That's my favorite <laughs> thing about you. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about you. Very good. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thank you for coming on Cross Politic. We really appreciate it and okay. we pray blessings on you and, and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for coming. Okay, and thank you very much. This is Cy Timbrinke with Answer Anyone Apologetics. Somebody comes up to you and says that they don't believe in God. What have they just done? They've just blasphemed God. You see, blasphemy is not only taking the name of God in vain, but taking his word in vain as well. In Romans chapter 1, we're told that everyone has sufficient knowledge of God to leave them without excuse. When someone says that they don't believe in God, they're in effect calling him a liar. They're blaspheming God. What do we do? We ignore the blasphemy and lay out our evidential case for God. Now imagine that somebody came up to you and said, I think your wife's a prostitute. They'd be, in a way, blaspheming your wife. Would you say, well, last night she was at home making dinner, so I don't think she was out walking the street. The night before that, she was at choir practice, so I'm pretty sure she wasn't walking the street then either. And the night before that, she was at her parents' house, so I really don't think my wife's a prostitute. Would you do that? Would you lay out an evidential argument for your wife's purity? Of course not. You'd say, That's my wife you're talking about. Choose your next words wisely. Why then, when people blaspheme God, do we act as though nothing has happened? Christians need to revere the name and the word of God. Sure, have the discussion with the unbeliever, but make sure that they realize what they're doing when they say that they don't believe in God. For more apologetic answers, visit AnswerAnyone.com. Cross politic. Hey, Doctor Walt Williams on morality and economics. The good doctor. Hopefully that uh, stretched your brain a little bit, get you thinking. We got you know it's, it's beginning of the year, January. 
You're, you know, setting budgets. <laughs> That's right. right. You're uh, thinking about how much money you spent at Christmas. And the morality behind the money that you're, you're spending. Back. How bad the credit cards were run up. Are you guys done playing with those toys? All right, wrap them up. I got the original wrapper. We're going to get that refund. <laughs> Let's get, get those toys Walmart back. or take anything back. You know, yeah. the kids only play with the toys for two weeks. Take it back. Yeah. But <laughs> we got to pay light bill, baby. <laughs> so yeah, but no, you know, I mean, this is huge, though. Yeah, um, and 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 thinking about um, honoring Christ as Lord of all. Yes, means that we want to honor Christ with our checkbooks. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, we don't have checkbooks anymore with our debit cards. <laughs> well, and I yeah. think I with think our credit cards with our bank accounts. Speaking specifically to, to kind of the field of economics. Um, one of the reasons I think why we're in such a, a bad place in our economy is because Christians don't take over economics. Christians don't take over that right. field of study. Right. They don't take over that no. academic space. They don't take over teaching it. They don't take over owning. Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. What? What? You know, what? Jesus is coming back soon. <laughs> so this stuff's all going to burn, man. We, we don't need to worry so, about it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be good and, stewards enough, but I mean. But even historically, though, you think of all the economists that we probably either read or, or, or agree with at some level, you know, Hazlitt, Hayek, Bastiat, you know, all these economists. Whenever they are speaking in tongues, off. there we go. There we go. No. I bet they from Texas too. <laughs> Texas, <laughs> Texas tongues. <laughs> but you think of all, all the, the the writing that there's been a lot of good writing on the kind of the libertarian conservative side of economics, the Australian side of uh, side of economics. And we think of it. I think you meant Austrian. Uh, Austrian, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, good day, I mean, mate. No, there's nothing there's some the great economics over here. Nothing against the Australians. <laughs> so, I'm sure they have good economics. Austrian, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that a lot of their writing, or they're just kind of hypothesizing. They're, they aren't basing any of their economics grounded in the Word of God. That's right. That's the ultimate problem with all this. Mm. So um, when we talk about. Um, you know, supply and demand, or we talk about minimum wage, when we talk about ownership, and as Walt Williams talked about on this episode, right. he talked about um, uh, um, uh, ownership and individual ownership and what that meant. Mm. And he ba- he bases his whole system of economics on what the individual has a right to. He has a right to breathe. He has a right to own. He mm. has a right to own property and, and et cetera. And you shouldn't mess with it, he's, he's arguing, right? Right. But and, that all begs the question of, why yeah, exactly yeah. says who mm-hmm. yeah exactly what according to what standard yeah and so and so we want to christians need to jump into this and say that's because god made the world that way yeah. right that that god says thou shalt not steal that's, that's right. right um that that god has given these gifts that's to right. individuals to families to communities and so on to be good stewards of that's right uh, if you're going to live in this world that God made and you're going to honor god then you've got to honor god with the gifts that he gives that's right and um, and that means that all Christians, in a certain sense, have to be economists. That's right. right? No, that's At some right. level, that's right. You you got to be an economist because you got to be a good steward. And it's not hard. No, like I mean, like honestly, I mean, to, I mean, basic economists. Basic, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's not hard. It's just saying, okay, well, this is the right amount. Okay, I, I want to give this person exactly what they're worth. I don't want what they used to do in the uh, the Old Testament. They used to cut off the edges of the coins. <laughs> the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so right, right. it would be lighter, and they keep the edges. So they weren't paying them the, exactly what it was worth. Right. They yeah. were stealing. Yeah. Right. You know, and so they I, were inflating. Is, I mean, it's believe it or right. not, it's That's as simple. What, yeah, yeah exactly. It's as simple as not stealing. Right. Yeah. No, no, it's it's, it, it's yeah. true. Yeah, and, and it's uh, but it's I think there's also I, mean, I think this is what Gabe's getting at is that um, we need Christians who are thinking ambitiously. Amen. No, in, that's right. In terms of the kingdom, yeah, that's, right. We, that's right. We need we need Christian businessmen and businesswomen. That's right. Men and women going out into the world and saying this world belongs to Christ. That's right. All of it does. Amen. And um and I want to maximize maximize um uh, what I can um invest maximize um um uh, the um you know, God made the world such that when you um, you put seed in the ground, it makes more than you put in. Come on. Right? right. That's right. And that's a principle that applies across the board. And so you put you put in to your children, and they become far more than you ever put in. That's right. Right? Um, and you put seed in the ground, and you get produce. It's far more than seed. That carries seed. Yeah. Right. But, right but, but we're talking about that in terms of um, money and, and right. uh, resources as well. Um, uh. when, when you invest um, in, in a godly way in, in, into um, – 
kingdom-minded activities, whether it's businesses that are going to produce um, products that are for the kingdom, whether it's just making yep. you're, you're making um, uh, you're creating jobs yep. for the kingdom. What are you doing? You're, you're you're creating jobs where men and women can support their families right. and raise children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and support the church and support missionaries and That's so right. on. You can't say, uh, you know, I just believe in supporting mis- missionaries in the church. Yeah. And I'm not going to worry about, you know, all that messy, you know, economic stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. No, but that's what Marcus Pittman was talking about with ending abortion. Right. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think they're like almost, the they're, they're almost there. They're yeah, almost, there. Almost there. Probably by the yeah. time people are listening yeah, to this, yeah, probably, they're probably yeah, done. Right? But he was saying being a good businessman, honoring God and how we do money. Yeah. Right. Is a way that you can help end abortion. Yeah. Right. It's one of the most effective it's ways. It's one of the saying. most yeah, effective absolutely. way. And I have to yeah. agree with that. Like yeah. the kingdom of God needs money. Well, and you also, <laughs> and yeah, also, but that's what Jesus expects too. You put a seed in the ground, and it and it blossoms sixty, thirty, thirty, sixty, hundred fold. Yeah, well, those charismatics get it right sometimes, don't yeah, they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't bury your talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. don't, bury don't bury your talent. Bury your talent. That, that Jesus is Jesus not parable. pleased with the guy who buries his talent. That's right. Right. It's it's the one he said who, you could have even put it in the bank would have gotten and gotten two percent or whatever interest on right. it. Right. <laughs> he <laughs> said that would have been okay. I, I think in the Greek it says you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Abu <laughs> Juji, dummy. But you know what's amazing about the guy? He's like, I knew you were a shrewd master. Yeah, right? Right. it's like, did you really? Yeah, and uh, you no. still thought and it he was still okay. Buried it. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, obviously you didn't think much of my shrewdness. No, no. and so. it's, it's the one who invests the talents and and brings back a return that Jesus says, "Well done, yeah. good and faithful yeah. servant. Enter into the joy yeah. of my Father." Um, and and take what this guy. Didn't invest and invest it for me. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, and I, I find myself being more like the guy who buried his talent because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh man, you know, I am thinking that he's a shrewd master, and I don't want to lose what he gave me, and so right. I want to make sure that you have exactly what you gave me back. But that's not why he gave it to you. Mm. He gave it to you to duplicate it. Right. Yeah. That's Make right. more of it. Plant right. it in the plant it in the which, ground. Which takes know? risk. It, exactly. Right. I mean, your yeah. risk. You talk about you know. You talk to farmers, real farmers who actually you know go year to year to year to year. They'll tell you about the heartache, you know, of you know, trying to plan what trying they're trying to gonna, plan yeah. and, and 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 yeah. all the investment and how you lose. I mean, yeah. you know, sometimes there's really bad seasons. There's yeah. really bad oh, yeah. harvest. Right. Yeah. Um. But but wisdom. Uh, invests yeah. and it risks. And faith does. Yeah, it's faith. Yeah, I right? mean, when you plant something into the plant something to the ground, you're done. Yeah, that's all yeah. you can do. Right. You water it, you plant it, and guess what? God has to come and breathe on it. Yeah. God has I mean, to I mean, come and give the blessing to it. But that's why Christians should be the best economists. Come on right. now. Right? right? They should be the best economists because they believe in, in God. Yeah, they right. believe that the Holy Spirit runs this place. And that he's a rewarder of those who did diligently seek him. Yeah, that's you right. Know, like, and, and God made everything, heaven and earth. Right. Right? He made gravity. Yeah. He made economic laws. Yes. He made community. In fact, I, I, one of the, I, I haven't really flushed this out very much. Toby, you might have a lot more to say on this. You got too, your but. Bible open over there. You flushes something out. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the one of the um, uh, economics is basically trinitarian. It has to be grounded. In, I'm listening. Go ahead, in, <laughs> David. Chalks back. It it has to be grounded in trinitarian truth. And oh. I think that's it, it for, and so what for do you us, mean by that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me, I haven't flushed it out very much. So this is as far as I'll probably just use the you. buzzword. He's like, it's Trinitarian. Yep. You guys are listening to him flush oh. it out I drop live. The mic? I know live. <laughs> this is amazing. So it's not good enough to say thou shalt not steal. Okay. Right. Although that's ground, that's God's law. It's grounded in it's his good word. Start. It's a great start. It's a good place God to start. And it's, it's, and it's a better start. It's a better start than most economists. Okay. All right. Um, but it, it, there's way more than that because economics involves the poor. Economic mm-hmm. involves, you know, um, challenges, hardships, you know, right. it, everything right. that, that goes on in community. And so we have to think of economics, I think, beyond thou shalt not steal and put it in some sort of trinitarian, trinitarian framework. Um, you know, God is God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has his own community. He's he's giving. He's a giving father. He's um, he's abounding uh, uh, in, in grace and overflowing in mercy. And all that has to be connected to how we view economics and how we um, – try to understand god's natural um law in the world in regards to economics i just want you to know that's every, as far as i can take it i just want you to know every conservative that is more conservative than christian just did not like what you just said why do you say that well because i think conservatives are more they at least it seems this way they have more of the bootstrap mentality pull yourself up than they do of the giving mentality yeah. and i can tell you that the sad thing about it is i've experienced more giving and grace from liberals 
right. than conservatives when this, it comes to This goes to that. back to some of the stuff we talked about with uh, Joel McDermott, right? Yeah. And his, his whole point is being that, right. you know, conservative Christians should have um, a heart for the poor, uh, for the oppressed, um, you know, f- for the downtrodden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you then say, yeah, f- you know, free rides for everybody. Right, right. You know, um, you know handouts for everybody. Um, no, I mean, it says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Yeah. But it also says that this is pure and undefiled religion is to mm. care for, visit the orphans and the widows in their distress, right? Yeah. And, right. and if we're Bible-believing Christians, we should hold all of that together. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not forget the poor. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's you know? right. Amen. You know, when when, yeah. when Paul when Paul is extended the right hand of fellowship at the uh, at the Jerusalem Council in Acts fifteen, he, he he's given a couple of instructions from the other apostles. Be careful about these things. Yeah, and there, and it's like you know, don't eat meat that's been uh, strangled and offered to idols with blood in it, and and, and abstain from sexual immorality, yeah. and remember the poor. Yeah. yeah. Right? right. Yeah. Like whatever you do, yeah. don't forget the poor. <laughs> when he's saying Galatians, I was going to do that anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, I was, I was happy to do it. But I think that's a, an exhortation that, yeah, that that conservative economists need to be reminded of. Yeah. That's a good point, right? No, I, I don't want. And remember the poor. Yeah, I don't want liberals or uh, to be known for giving more than conservatives. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, Christians, right, you know right. what I mean, and and it's not that it's the case, but, right. but the way that it's presented, it seems like oh, they feel like giving way more than you do. Right. It's like no, they feel like stealing. We're the, the actual, givers. The actual statistics, I think, actually show that I think conservatives yes. generally yeah. are yeah. the more generous givers. Yeah. But <clears throat> it, um, it all depends sometimes on where you're looking as right. far as what's giving. But I think our, our rhetoric sometimes maybe doesn't reflect. It, oh, it doesn't. Know, and, no, and, of course and not. Part of it's because we're polite. Yeah. Well, if you're well, here's the thing: most <laughs> but, poor people aren't voting conservative. Why? Because they don't feel like they're, there's, they're, you know, right. they're gonna, they feel like they're gonna make it. Somebody's gonna support they're, me. Somebody's gonna help speaking me. Speaking up for them, right? And and we have a better plan for people who are financially uh, unable to work or who can't work or who need money. Like yeah. we have a better plan for them than liberals, but they have better rhetoric than we do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that's a problem. Yeah. All right, I want to hear a memo. Let's do it. Come on, I want to <laughs> hear it. Are we gonna hear from? Uh... Oh, real quick on that last point of a good book, a, a good show. a good book on this issue. Who Really Cares by Arthur Brooks. He basically um, defends and, and gives us all the data on um, why conservatives do actually give more than liberals. The other one is so. The Travesty of American uh, – what's it called? Oh, man, I just forgot the last word. The Travesty of American Compassion. Ah, oh, okay. okay. Try yeah. that one. That's great. Okay. Memo time. This is uh, Scott Clark, Batman. <laughs> what? I see what you're doing. You're trying to make a radio show and to propagate your message of the federal vision. <laughs> oh, this vision it is blasphemous, and I will bring it down. It's blasphemous. With my idol blog. Have you heard of it? It's super sweet. I will tell the masses about 14 people who read it that do <laughs> babies bread and grape juice. Oh, we don't like them hard. Grape juice. We don't like Wine. them full of grace. We want them to be... Hungry. <laughs> and if you do not cease and desist, we will write blogs upon blogs upon your head. We will call together for the gospel, the gospel coalition, and we will bring the heat of the keyboard. <laughs> and I Doug, Toby, uh, the other guy, the water boy, uh, black guy, you guys, you guys, you guys are. The black yeah. guy. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't. He couldn't remember our names. He could get. He got past for Toby. Got my name. And he's like, whatever that other guy is, the water the boy. Water boy. And, you know. and the black guy. The black. Guy. Oh man. That's what it's turned to now. The black I love guy. that. That's just crazy. That, oh. That's hilarious. Oh my gracious. Oh. Yeah. Oh, thanks for listening. Hey, if you like Cross Politic, would you share, share us, like us on Go, Facebook, please. Twitter? Um, we would love to reach as many people as we can. That's right. Join the conversation as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast. Crosspolitik.com. <laughs>